Crinan closed his eyes. Lad, I am afraid I've got something hard to tell you. Get on with it, lad. What's wrong? Max questioned. Bethu flew over to Max and put her wing across his back. It's about Gilliman, dear. Welcome to the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast, with your hosts, Max and Liz. This podcast is brought to you by Playful World Ministries. Max, Liz, and all the characters and adventures of the Epic Order of the Seven were created by and written by Jenny L. Cody. On today's episode, we'll hear Chapter 43 from The Ark, The Reed, and The Fire Cloud, and we'll learn about a special character in this story and how he has made quite an impact in real life. Jenny will give us all the details when we check in with Jenny's Corner a little later in the podcast. Right now, let's turn things over to our courageous canine and our feline magnifique. Here's Max and Liz. Well, thank you, announcer lad. His name is Monsieur Denis. I know. I'd just like to mess with him a wee bit. But he said nice things about us. Aye. Isn't that what we pay him to do? Max, we don't pay him. We don't? No. He's doing this for free? We. Oui. <laughs> well, at least we're getting our money's worth then. <laughs> Welcome, lads and lasses, to today's podcast thingy. We're hoping you're having a grand time today. Well, you are in a good mood today, Max. Aye. I got me some sleep, I got me food and water, I ran around the backyard this morning chasing a squirrel. It don't get any better than that. Well, perhaps it does for the squirrel. <laughs> well, you might have a point there. But I'm glad you are in a good mood today, mon ami. Well, thank you, lass. Why do you say that? Because with today's chapter, you're going to need to be. Chapter 43 A Hard Day Max and everyone in their travel group collapsed from exhaustion from the long journey and chose to sleep a long time. Everyone, that is, except Liz. Liz spent the next two days exploring the Ark. She saw incredible habitats of places she knew of but had never been to. Her mind was thirsty for knowledge about the creatures that inhabited these places. She continued to be stumped by the transformation of the stalls. Liz spent hours introducing herself, getting to know various animals, and yes, explaining how she had traveled with the now-famous Max. The animals she met were instantly charmed by her beauty and grace and marveled at her wealth of knowledge. Liz came to realize that it would take her a long time, possibly months, to study the thousands of Ark inhabitants. She hoped she would have ample time to conduct her research. Despite Liz's interest in her Ark neighbors, she stayed clear of the wolves. While her intellectual side wanted to understand them, her experiential side was so repelled by them that it kept her away from their stall. She would not venture down to the end of the dark corridor where they were. For now, what Max had told her about the wolves and her experience with them on the way to the Ark was sufficient. She didn't need to know more. While Liz was energetic from research, Al was sleepy from exhaustion. The long journey finally caught up to him, and he slept for hours on end, waking only to nibble a berry or two before falling back to sleep. It was late in the afternoon when he finally stayed awake long enough to realize that Liz had been gone a while. Al decided to go looking for her. Max and Kate were snoozing in the corner. 
he tiptoed out of the stall and headed down the corridor in search of his black beauty. Al decided he'd go see Isabella and Don Pedro first. Maybe Liz was visiting with them. Plus, he wanted to see what kind of food Isabella, his best eating companion, had enjoyed since coming to the Ark. He leisurely made his way to the lower level, enjoying the sights and sounds along the way. Crinan and Bethu flew in to perch on the railing in front of Max's stall. They had been waiting for the right time to talk with him. They had something important to tell him. Shh! Looks like they're still sleeping, Bethu whispered to Crinan. Aye, I know they're tired from their trip, Crinan whispered back. I guess we best come back when they're awake. I hear you, laddie. I'm awake, said a very groggy Max. He stood up and stretched out long and hard, yelping and giving a thorough all-over body shake. Kate awakened as well, yawning as she came out of her deep sleep. Uh, I didn't know I could sleep so long. Uh, I feel like a cat for doing so, said Max, yawning again as he walked over to the two gulls. But then he noticed that both cats were gone. I even outslept the cats then. Crinan flew into the stall to land on a rock next to Max, and Bethu followed. Aye, we also slept for hours on end when we arrived. You've got nowhere to go then, so just enjoy it, lad, Crinan said with a smile. You've done enough journeying for a lifetime. Max wondered if Liz had even slept. Has that kitty last been in this stall at all since we got to the Ark? She is the most curious creature I ever met. She's been all over the ark, talking to the beasties and learning about them. Al's been asleep most of the time, said Bethu. Kate looked around and noticed Al was missing. Maybe Al's gone looking for Liz. Ah, well enough. That lassie will not rest until she figures out how the stalls came to be transformed. I tried to tell her it were the maker's doing, but she still wants to know how he did it. Curiosity will be the death of that kitty, I can tell you that right now, said Max, stretching and giving another yelp. So, what's up with you two? The smile left Crinan's face, and he and Bethu lowered their heads, not saying a word. Kate scooted over to Max's side, a look of worry on her face as she observed their seagull friends. What's the matter? she asked, concerned. Crinan closed his eyes, took a deep breath and exhaled, then opened his eyes to look at Max. Lad, I am afraid I've got something hard to tell you. Well, get on with it, lad. What's wrong? Max questioned, his brow furrowed. Crinan looked at Bethu, suddenly at a loss for words. Bethu flew over to Max and put her wing across his back. It's about Gilliman, dear. She said softly. Max grew anxious and animated, his ears alert and tail up. Gilliman, what's wrong? Is he sick then? Crinan flew over to join Bethu next to Max. Looking into Max's eyes, he knew he had to find the courage for both of them. Max, uh, Gilliman, uh, Gilliman died. Oh! Kate exclaimed tears rushing to her eyes as she put her head over on Max. Oh, me love, I'm so sorry, I'm so...
Kate softly wept. Max's heart caught in his throat. He felt hot tears fill his eyes. His mentor, his dear friend, was gone. He couldn't believe Gilliman had died. It didn't seem real. Max couldn't find any words for a few moments, and his friends surrounded him in consoling silence. Bithu was crying, and Crinan held his wing firmly across Max's back. After a while, Max spoke. I was so worried about him when I left. He... he wasn't well. How... how did he die? Max asked, his jaw clenching as he tried to hold back the tears. He... he died in his sleep, Max. We went to see him on our last trip home before we headed to the Ark. He weren't well and were coughing something terrible. We stayed with him our last night in Scotland, and the next morning he were gone, Crinan explained gently, feeling Max's pain. Crinan and Bethu felt it too, for they were friends with Gilliman, but no one was as close to the wise old mountain goat as Max. Max shut his eyes tight, and tears ran down his face. Well, he said as he opened his eyes, I'm grateful you were there with him, so he didn't die alone. Bethu smiled and said, We were able to tell him about how you met Al and then Kate, and how you had the grand idea to help other creatures cross the sea after calling for Craddock. Gilliman and Craddock were always good friends, so he were happy about that. Oh, Max, Gilliman were so proud of you. He knew you had been called for an important reason. I think he almost were waiting for a word about you before he died. Max's heart was breaking. But he was glad that Gilliman was proud of him. In the midst of his pain, Max felt gratitude. Crinan joined in. And Max, Gilliman gave us a message for you. He must have known he were dying. He made sure I could repeat it word for word back to you. Max smiled. That sounds just like Gilliman, he thought. Crinan continued. This is what Gilliman wanted me to tell you. Max, I am so very proud of you. Please don't be sad for me, for I have lived a long, happy life. I asked the Maker to help me live in a way so I would use everything he gave me to the full. I will be able to stand before him and say that I left nothing here undone. I've completed all I was meant to do, including helping you grow, Max. An old goat could not want more. There is more to this mission you are on than you realize now. The Maker has a way of bringing multiple purposes out of singular events, and they will all become clear with time. Always remember to look to the Maker for direction as those purposes unfold. Without his revelation, you will surely lose your way. I am so happy to hear about Kate. She sounds like a beautiful lass. 
I hope you will have many wonderful years together. Go now, and be happy. Remember all I taught you, and remember that you are loved and that you are able. Farewell, Max. Crinan's voice cracked with emotion as he finished. All eyes were full of tears, and all voices were silent as they grieved over the loss of someone so dear. After a while, Max told the others, Thank you, me friends, for being with Gilliman and for bringing me his dying words. They mean so much to me. Now, I think I'd like to be alone. Kate softly kissed Max and rubbed her head under his chin. We understand, me love. Take all the time you need. Crinan and Bethu softly echoed Kate's remarks. They wanted Max to have space to grieve privately, in his own way. Max sniffed and nodded his head. Aye, time is what I need, then. Max turned and walked out of the stall and down the corridor, his head low and his heart heavy. The number of animals daily coming to the ark had slowed dramatically. Noah was amazed at the timing of it all. Here these animals had traveled from all over the world to reach the ark and had arrived within a few days of one another. God's timing is always perfect, Noah thought. He stood looking down the road where the animals had trod and surmised that they would not see many more creatures walk this path. The ark was nearly filled to capacity. Noah knew that just as God's timing was perfect, the exact number of animals he called was also perfect. There would be room for all who were meant to board the ark. Ada joined Noah, rubbing her hands together with the lavender oil she and the girls had pressed earlier in the spring. She held her hands to her nose and closed her eyes as she breathed in the soothing aroma. Even in the midst of the busy, hard work, Ada took time to take mini-vacations, as she called them, she felt it was important for everyone to stay refreshed and energized. In her wisdom, she modeled the balance of work and rest. It had been a long day, and now it was time to put aside the cares of the day. So, my fine zookeeper, how do you think things look in the ark now? Ada asked, smiling and tickling Noah's chin. Noah smelled the lavender oil and smiled. It's beautiful with you on board, that's what I think. He took her hand in his and kissed it. Thank you, Ada. Thank you for believing in me and working so hard for this mission. I know all you've missed by helping me. Ada placed her hand on Noah's cheek and softly held his face. Oh, Noah, I wouldn't have missed working by your side these many years for the world. I have missed nothing. Noah and Ada turned to look at the village down below and shared a moment of silence. Their minds drifted to what would happen to their world. I feel guilty somehow. Here we know the truth and what will happen in two days, yet we are secure. My heart is heavy for the people. They have no idea what's coming, Ada said, a pained look in her eyes. Noah put his arm around his wife. Well, it's not because they weren't told what was coming. 
I know your heart goes out to the people, but don't carry guilt because you are safe. You and I have both tried to spread the truth. We've preached for over a hundred years, and even told them this week that the time of God's judgment was coming in a matter of days. They have listened to the truth, but have not heard it. You can't make people believe, no matter how your heart longs for them to. Noah paused and took a deep breath. God respects their freedom to choose, and so must we. It will not be easy, but you must rest your heart in the fact that you have chosen God while trying to spread the truth to others. I can't tell you how many sleepless nights I've had as I've worried for these people, but I know I've done all I can do. I suppose you're right. Shem needs to hear these words, Noah. Try and have this talk with him. He's really struggling, and it's only going to get worse in two days, Ada said. I'll have a word with him. But for now, focus on the task at hand. I need you to be strong for the others. Tomorrow, we need to get our few remaining things from the house and welcome any final animals that come. It will be our last day on dry ground for a while. Let's make the most of it. Noah said. He kissed Ada on the head as they stared off at the setting sun on the horizon. It was sobering to realize that tomorrow would be a day of lasts, their last time inside their home on land, their last time to board animals, and their last time to see the village. Are you okay, Max? Uh, you were right. This be a sad memory. I know. Losing someone you love may get a little easier over time, but you never lose the sad feelings of missing them. Aye, but you're a smart kitty. What's a good way to deal with this grief I'm feeling all over again? By remembering why you love them so much. The good things about them. The poet Alfred Lord Tennyson once said, The good men do lives after them. Aye. Gilliman did me so much good, and I'm living after him. And the good he did for you is still alive. You show his good effects on you every day. <laughs> well, thank you, lass. In fact, Gilliman had a special thing he always said to you, Max. I, I know what you're talking about, then. Uh, he said, know that you are loved and you are able. Correct. So, let us go to Jenny's corner, for she has a story of how that saying has made a real-life difference. Take it away, Miss Jenny. The most beloved phrase in all of my books, of course, is attributed to Gilliman. Know that you're loved and you're able. And when The Art Three and the Fire Cloud first came out, I remember getting an email from a lady who was reading the book with her children, but that line inspired her so much, and she began training to run a marathon. And so it became her inspirational quote, if you will. She actually had people lined up along the marathon route with the poster board with that quote on it, know that you're loved and you're able. And she sent me a picture, and it's on my website. I believe it's on my fan page. And it's her with her medal around her neck holding Gilliman's sign. So that is just very special to me to impact people. And over the years, many people have said, you don't know what that phrase has meant 
to me and how it has just touched my heart right when I needed it. So I hope it will touch you because it is so very true. Um, I had some t-shirts even made with it. And I've got Gilliman on the back of a few of them. It says, I've got your back and know that you're loved and able. Oh, Trebian, Miss Jenny, what a wonderful story. Merci. Aye, hearing that Gilliman's words be helping more than just me, it makes me heart warm all inside. Ah, Gilliman be truly special. Right, announcer lad? Uh, right, uh, Scotty Dog. And we'll have much more to say about Gilliman in just two short weeks, so be listening for that. Wait, two weeks? Huh, what be happening in the next episode, then? Max, don't you remember? <sighs> of course I do, lass. I wanted to see if announcer lad knows. We, I mean, we are not paying him anything. Aye, and sometimes you get what you pay for. What, what, you, you don't think I know what's happening next time? What, are you kidding me? Well, I wasn't sure if you knew what you were talking about. They're, they're just winging it, then. Oh, you think I'm just winging this? Well, monsieur, sometimes it does seem that way. Oh, 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 you don't think I do my homework? Like I don't read ahead? Like I'm not informed? Hmm, that's a wee bit touchy today, Liz. Oui, no kidding. Um, our, our next episode will feature, um, um, well, well, it's, uh, uh... Do you need to look it up? Of course not. Here, lad, here's me copy of the book. Okay, okay, fine, fine. Uh, I'm just double-checking anyway. <laughs> sure, lad. J- just to make sure that you know what's com- coming up next week. But of course. Um, so, uh, it'll be chapter uh, 44, which is called The Last Day. Last day for what, lad? Uh, well, you know, a lot of stuff. Like what? You know, stuff. You don't know, do you? Okay, fine, fine. Let's just, I know, let's just all come back next time and we'll all find out together. <laughs> nice save, lad. We. Oui, that's why we pay you the big bucks. <laughs> Once again, the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast, is produced by Playful World Ministries and The Ark, The Reed, and The Fire Cloud was written by Jenny L. Cody. To purchase your copy of The Ark, The Reed, and The Fire Cloud on audiobook, log on to audible.com. And for all the amazing books by Jenny L. Cody, the entire collection of The Epic Order of the Seven, log on to Jenny's website, www.epicorderofthe7.com. That's epicorderofthe7.com. See you next time on The Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast. And I'm Denny Brownlee. Thanks for joining us. And as Gilliman would say, Always remember, you're loved and you're able. able.